G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 9 Review and as usual, we are proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Uh, get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season thanks to Palmerbet. Always make sure, of course, that you gamble responsibly. As I say, very good evening to my co-host, Robert Shaw. What would you make of uh, all the weekend action, Shorey? Well, it had a bit of everything, didn't it? Um, a really impressive Carlton side and St Kilda. Just when you – oh, you didn't think they were going to drop, but how legitimate are they in the top four or pushing for the top four? Uh, Melbourne went and had a regulation win. Um, what surprised me was that they went with their strongest side. We speculated, uh, given Gorn's – um, week on the track, they might have left some players at home, but um, they're not going to flirt with their form. And of course, um, I was particularly impressed with the Bulldogs' uh, return to that form of winning clearances and their spread and uncontested play was too much from Collingwood. So, um, yeah, a bit of everything. And and Gold Coast four and five. Uh, can they make a move on the eight in the middle third of the year? You know, I've got to say, my, my attention out of this round is drawn more to the bottom of the ladder because I, I think we've had particularly competitive down the ladder sides over the last few years, and I think it's been a real strength of the competition. But, boy, it's it's really not the case this year. And, it's you know, it's not all out of for, poor form. Circumstances haven't helped, certainly haven't helped West Coast. So West Coast and North Melbourne sitting on the bottom of the ladder, one win each, uh, getting ritually smashed week after week. Essendon, uh, well, we'll get on to them, but uh, they're not doing a whole lot better. GWS, well, two finalists from last year, Essendon and GWS, just two wins each. Um, they've had their moments, say, but West Coast and North in particular, just getting smashed by, you know, 60, 70 points on a weekly basis. It's not healthy for the competition, is it? No, one, one's got a, a – well, healthy, I'll use healthy. One's got a healthy excuse that half their side's missing. An um, unhealthy not, excuse. Un, yeah. uh, um, I, I think across the board, uh, North people would expect a visual improvement. I'm not sure uh, they're getting a visual improvement and I would expect margins to be halved to what they are. Instead of these 75, 80, 60 – you know, let, let, let's push these margins inside 40. Make them 30. Make them 28 and, and show the North people uh, you, you can teach and value uh, a, a full ground defence because at the moment uh, they're far too easy to score against. Yeah, certainly are. And, uh, well, let's, we're not even at the halfway stage of a season yet, so let's hope for Roos supporters' sake and Eagles supporters' sakes that uh, both their clubs can find something a bit 
extra in the second half of the year because it's going to so be. So, Rowan, we've got sorry, we've got West West Coast, we've got North, gonna, yep, we've got Essendon. Who's about a GWS? Uh, are they the four sides that now, at this stage, cannot make the eight? And is the rest open? Uh, Porterback. Uh, yeah, well, statistically, Adelaide and Hawthorne are a couple of games. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. we don't. It, what you're saying, we don't want it to be a lopsided competition. No, we hopefully. don't. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think we've had that very often no. at all in the last Sorry. few years. So let's yeah. hope we find a, a bit more competitiveness. I was just going to say, let's hope the Eagles or Roos find something. Otherwise, yep. uh, it's going to be a pretty long and ugly few months for them. All right, we got nine games to review in cool. incisive analytical detail. Let's do it right now. On Footyology, wrap around. Round nine kicked off on Friday evening at Marvel Stadium. It was the Western Bulldogs up against Collingwood, and it was a pretty comfortable win to the Doggies by 48 points. The final scores, the Bulldogs 14-15-99, defeating Collingwood 7-9-51. The goal kickers for the Dogs, three to Dunkley, three to Karmas. Pretty impressive up forward in his, I think, second game or third game for the club. Three to Norton, three to Trelaw, singles the rest. And for the Pies, the only multiple goal kicker there, Crisp, with two, and uh, the damage in this game all done early, Rob. Uh, six five to one three in the first quarter to set up a 32 point quarter time lead. And after that, it was really a holding mission. The doggies kicking eight ten after quarter time, the pies adding six six. So they just held them they at did. arm's length. Uh, of course, yeah. a uh, major blow for the pies pre-game with skipper Scott Pendlebury ill and being replaced by Callum Brown. Um, but, yeah, it was all the doggies early, wasn't it? Uh, they had 11 inside 50s in a row in that first quarter. Incredibly, Collingwood went 18 minutes in the game without a single inside 50. By quarter time, it was 12 to 22. They were dominant in the middle. Marcus Bontempelli back in action. Uh, Jordan Sweet, impressive in the ruck, and there might that might be a, a sign of things to come. But uh, also, and I'm sure this performance would have been very satisfying indeed, Adam Trelaw, a terrific game by him, one of his very best against his old club. 36 disposals, three goals. Josh Dunkley, three goals and 24 disposals. And Bailey Smith, what a season he's having. East Melbourne's finest mullet. He ended up with 40 disposals. Uh, One-way traffic, really, Robin, all set up with that blistering first quarter. Yeah, and you've touched on um, a couple of the points there. Uh, Looking forward, if if Jordan's sweet, like he wasn't up against Grundy, but if he can hold a semblance of that type of form uh, and they get English back, they get the opportunity to um, to nail that forward pocket with a marking target and give some Norton support. Norton was good. he met a switched on more that we discussed the week before. So that became a really good battle, but he did kick three and uh, shared, shared the leading goal kickers with the, as you said, Trelaw, Dunkley, Karmas and himself, Norton. So uh, two midfielders kicking six and two forwards, you know, you also wonder whether Karmas can hold, hold his ground. Um, right on what I've seen and without being, uh, he's a better player 
than Jamara Ulhagen. He looks more precise. He looks more aggressive. And he looks more confident in going for his mark. So I think it's really important that Sweet continues to play well, Rowan. But uh, with the greatest respect to the Collingwood Ruckman, he's going to get some more serious challenges down the track. He is. Um, good point on Karma. So I was going to say the same thing. He just looked more comfortable than Hugo Hagen's looked thus far, didn't he? And, you know, we talked about the support required for Norton. It's not. He doesn't necessarily need someone to come in and kick a stack of goals, but just provide an alternate target so the opposition defence can't concentrate all their energies on him. And to that... Did it perfectly. Yeah, right. Three game a row or two, as you said. Yep. Um, couldn't have done it any better. It's the old uh, decoy alongside, was it Athel Webb alongside Bob oh. Johnson? Jeez, geez, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> Neither am I. That was 1964 Melbourne you were talking about there. Um, the other point I was going to make, though, is that um, Jordan Sweet, the, the yeah. twofold advantage there is uh, potentially a, a winning ruckman, but also allowing Tim English to come back and play more of a forward role. And English yep. is a pretty reasonable... I'm not a big fan of the Ruckman as a key forward, but I think English does that better than most. And he certainly kicked a few more goals playing that role than most. So if you've got him that's down a, there for yeah. longer periods, you've got Karmas, you've got Norton, that's sufficient uh, key forward strength. You, you, you raised a technical point. You're not a big rap for the Ruckman as the forward pocket. But I think we're both a huge rap for the second Ruckman as a as a forward pocket. Jackson, mm. Alessio, yeah, you can uh, you can just go through them. Uh, Luke Darcy when Scotty Wine was uh, dominant. So I, I love the second Ruckman that can play as a specialist forward pocket, and that is a throwback to a long time ago, isn't it? With Peter, John Nichols and Peter Jones is probably the 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 classic combination. It certainly is. Uh, let's let's talk about Collingwood because they've certainly come back to the fold. Look, the, I didn't I didn't think they were terrible, and it it was a bit of a a what if sort of night for a few of them, particularly young forward Ollie Henry, who I thought was really busy and and impressive early, but he just couldn't get his kicking boots on, and he ended up with I think three behinds for the night. Um, you know, Dugowie sort of had his moments. Uh, <clears throat> they really did miss Pendlebury, though, no doubt about that. It really saw them get uh, fixed up midfield. Taylor Adams tried his heart out, as he does usually. Uh, Nick Dacos, uh, you know, did, did pretty well. Uh, Noble, I thought, pretty reasonable in defence. But um, we're, we're starting to see the limitations of uh, of Collingwood in their first season under Craig McRae, as we were always going to. I mean, they started the season pretty well, but, um, you know, sort of come back to the fold now, beaten pretty comfortably by Richmond last week and even more comfortably by uh, the Doggies today. But uh, not all gloom and doom for them, I think, under Craig McRae. Do you agree? No, oh, look, this was a bad one. I oh, know I disagree. I think this is a bad one. They got smashed... Trelaw, Smith and McRae had 24 clearances between them. Uh, the telltale sign of lack of work rate or inability to match uh, the Bulldogs' run and spread. Um, the Bulldogs won plus 84 uncontested possessions and they took 121 
uncontested marks. Mm. They they literally toyed with them early, Rowan, as you said. That's an extraordinary inside 50. And, and Collingwood didn't have the pace at ground level. It is, it is a strength of the dogs, quick inside, rapid ball movement. And uh, they put on a bit of a clinic, particularly early. Collingwood hung in and... Uh, They've just got to get, uh, well, they'll get Pendlebury back into the side. They've just got to get their side, their best side organised and start the middle third of the year the way they started the season. But a very good win for the Dogs, I reckon, because I think um keeps them in, 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 in with a shot at the top eight, which is important. It was a must win for them. Well, I was going to say, uh, both those sides now, four or five, they appear to be heading in different directions. One thing yeah. I would say about the Dogs, and I made this observation on Twitter, is that no matter how poorly they have played, they are a side that is very capable of flicking a switch and getting into some really good form. You know, like they don't necessarily have to build up to um, to get some winning form on the board. And I thought... Um, they sort of showed evidence of that on uh, Friday night. So starting to come together for them, they're in ninth spot on the ladder at four and five. The Pies are 11th at four and five. Next week, Next the Doggies have got on Saturday afternoon, Gold Coast at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. And uh, all of a sudden, Gold Coast looking like a much tougher proposition than you might have thought a few weeks ago. So that'll be an interesting one. And for the Pies... Well, pretty tough for the Pies. They have got to head to Perth and take on a chastened Fremantle in the final game of the round on Sunday afternoon. So that's what lies ahead for both of these teams next Well done. Week. Yep. That was Friday night. Let's talk about Saturday. First game on the Saturday card was at the MCG. It was between Hawthorne and Richmond. Hawthorne. Uh, starting to struggle a little bit, and the Tigers starting to get on a bit of a roll and looking ominous. We've talked about this a bit over the last couple of weeks. Could they keep that momentum going? Well, yes, very much so, as it turned out. Not without uh, a scare here and there, though, particularly late, uh, as the Hawks kept plugging away. In the end, the margin was 23 points to Richmond. The final score, 17-15. 117, defeating the Hawks, 14, 10, 94. The goals for the Tigers, four to Tom Lynch. That is 17 in the past three games to him. Three to Dusty Martin back in town. Three to Jack Rewalt. Three to Shea Bolton. Boy, he is a classy player. And two to Soldo for the Hawks. Three to Bruce. Three to Lewis. Two to Kaczynski. Two to Wingard. Well, definitely the better side for most of the game, the Tigers. They had 21 more inside 50s. They had 21 more mm. tackles. They won the centre clearances comprehensively by 14, but just kept sort of uh, allowing the Hawks to come back and have a decent crack at them, particularly late after they'd got uh, quite a bit. Of, in fact, they were more than five goals up and then in the blink of an eye, the Hawks slammed on the next four, I think. Wingard, Lynch, Lewis, Warpool. That made the uh, gave Richmond just a 10-point lead with two minutes 40 left on the clock. But the Tigers were able to steady last two goals of the game, going to Castagna and Bolton. Um, really, probably 
got the better of Hawthorne on the outside in the second quarter, uncontested ball in that quarter, um, 65 to Richmond, 32 to mm. the Hawks. And the Hawks did it tough too, losing Jack Gunston off injured, always a really good barometer of them up forward, um, which made their effort overall, I thought, pretty admirable. But uh, end of the day, good win to Richmond, and uh, they are definitely looming large again in um, talking about the pointy end of the season. I thought the, the margin was regulation, but considering Hawthorne got away to a magic start, didn't they? A 25-point lead to a, then a 23-point loss, so... A 48-point turnaround by the Tigers. It had ebbs and flows. But what I liked about this game is Richmond is starting to run. You just touched on it then. Uh, a better spread using their pace. Hawthorne were a pretty quick side. But you looked at, you know, they managed out um, um, Mitchell, who was poor against Essen with only about 11 possessions. So they've, uh, they've got a real decision to make there. He is a Brownlow medalist. Um, but they looked a little bit lighter and a little bit quicker. But uh, it was good to see Richmond, or well, not good, Richmond were definitely back to their running power. Martin's got a few games under his belt. We know Bolton's, and, and they're kicking goals. Bolton and Martin, three goals. So this this rotation mid-forward is an incredible sp- strength. The the battle of the day, obviously, was Sicily and Lynch, and it just shows you um, what good a form Lynch is in because... Uh, Sicily was very, very good. It was a tremendous battle, Rowan. He, he was terrific. It was a great duel. And in fact, probably an argument, he was almost Hawthorne's best player. And yet, as you say, his opponents ended up with four goals, which is about the winning margin. Interesting position, Hawthorne, because they keep turning up players, but then having issues with established players. Now, you mentioned Mitchell. Um, the other guy whose form drop-off is a major concern is James Warple. Um, not sure... What's happened there? But he, mm. he barely touched it for much of the game. By the same token, they've discovered an absolute beauty in John Newcomb. I love him. He is a really, really good player for them. Um, Jay Gromira, uh, giving his dues, who I thought he was pretty good for them. But, yeah, look, the Tigers, they've got that, they've got that run back, but they've got that hunger back, you know, that tackling pressure. Uh, Morris Rioli, again, you know, Shea Bolton, uh, Terry alike. Castagna, et cetera. You know, they're, they're playing more of a um, conspicuous role, locking that ball inside the forward half. And the results literally on the scoreboard in the goal-kicking returns, yeah. not just of Tom Lynch, but Jack Rewald over the last few weeks. So all those things that had gone missing for Richmond over the last half a season have come back. Uh, the interesting one, Rowan, to me was uh, the de- the debut of a new one before the game. Uh, he held down the backline spot uh, very well, in my opinion. And it, uh, it'll be interesting to see, now that Tarrant is back and available, what they do with him. But getting Vlosten back and uh, introducing this young fullback into the side, I think that was pretty positive. I, th- I thought he looked really capable. And, and I guess Damien Harwick making a statement of sorts, isn't he? Sort of saying we're not necessarily... Going to, go his, with, yeah, yeah. going to go with the more experienced players. We're going to yeah. uh, reward form and we're, we're also going to keep one eye on the future. You know, great story. Fantastic to see um, his his family there and um, what an incredible family they are too. His uh, sister, Nadal, is a very prominent uh, human rights 
activist and lawyer in the community. Um, they are a great family and uh, there was a lot of smiles about his debut. So uh, I'm sure he'll get plenty more games, even if he doesn't get one next week. Beautiful. Hawks lost six out of seven. Obviously, that's uh, a serious uh, phase of the season, isn't it? With, with, without being disgraceful, like they, uh, they had a terribly bad quarter against uh, Essendon where they ran out of pace and run. Um, this sort of game was all over the place. A good lead and then hit back hard and in between Richmond dominating easily. So um, they're going to have to they're going to have to grab a win. And is that on the horizon in the in the next couple of weeks, Ron? No, well, week? just before we get to that, I think you you raise a decent point there because a couple of those losses were pretty awful. The one to St Kilda was um, yeah. they conceded nine goals in the last quarter to Sydney. Super- eight, eight, eight to Essendon? Yeah. Oh, right. That's yeah. interesting. Well, I was, I was mm. going to say you'd uh, superficially look at that and say that Essendon loss is a pretty bad one as well. But then, as you say, in between that, just lost to Melbourne, pushed Richmond pretty close, lost to Carlton by a point earlier. So yeah. they're definitely competitive. I, I still I think we both think they're a better side than some people think they are. Um, all right, what have they got next week? Right. They have uh, a game down in Launceston. Against uh, Brisbane. How are you going with those papers there? They're um... turning my page. Gee, I've got a sensitive microphone, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Uh, Hawthorne playing Brisbane at uh, the University of Tasmania Stadium in Launceston, 3.20 next Sunday afternoon. As for the Tigers, well, they've got Essendon in the Dreamtime game, 7.30 Saturday night. I don't know if I should be saying this, Rob, but... Um, I'm not going to watch. You what? I'm not going to be watching it. Talk about it in the Essendon game. Get on right. with it. I'm not going to be watching it. There, there is something far more important on that night that I'm going to be watching. But we'll, uh, we'll ah. get, we'll get to that. But I might be doing myself a favour. Um, all right, that was the first game on Saturday. Let's talk about the second. Well, we were down in Hobart at Blunston Arena to see North Melbourne play Port Adelaide. Uh, Port Adelaide having completely turned their season around North Melbourne in a world of pain at the moment, really had to find something, just a bit more competitiveness. Did they? Well, no, they didn't. And uh, again, copped an absolute hiding. In fact, 69 points the margin in the end in this game. Port slamming on seven goals to one in the final quarter. The final scores, Port 17-13, 115, defeating North Melbourne 6-10-46. The goal kickers, three to Georgiades, three to Marshall, two to Finlayson, two to Dersma, two to Motlop, two to Wines, and singles to another three players. So we're talking about nine individual goal kickers there, a good spread. For the Roos, three to Cam Zerhar. Singles, the rest. Well, uh, Port just dominated this game everywhere, really. Clearly up forward. Midfield, Ollie Wines outstanding. He had 32 disposals, two goals, nine clearances, two goal assists. Um, and uh, things just, nothing going right for the Roos. They lost uh, their midfield, no, I won't say Tyro, but uh, midfield barometer, if you like. Jai Simpkin, he was ruled out late with a hamstring um, strain and uh, 
well, just really ordinary stuff. Um, 41 to 6, the score by quarter time. And pretty much game over. For the power, though, really good signs here. I mean, we were lamenting the absence of Charlie Dixon, but pivotal in their turnaround has been not just a better midfield performance, but some real potency up forward. Uh, Todd Marshall, who people were beginning to wonder about, he's really found something in this latest uh, return to the team. Jeremy Finlayson proving pretty worthwhile as a recruit. Mitch Georgiades, well, he always looks dangerous, but they are kicking goals. So between them, that trio ending up with eight, uh, a couple from midfielders as well. Uh, looking good for the power, but um, gee, it's ugly for the ruse, Rob. I mean, you don't like dumping on sides down on their luck, but they are just bordering on uncompetitive at the moment. Yeah, senior coach, uh, we will pull apart the good court, the good quarters today. Delivering those on a consistent basis has been the issue. There's some errors there we've got to tidy up. I'm not sure. Um, but he's, he's constantly looking at positives and reasons and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, it was, it was, as you said, it was 41 to six a quarter time. Mm. You know, that's not going to be one of the good quarters they're going to pull apart because they're playing on their home ground. I think the record of Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide hasn't come there. I think you mentioned it in the preview once in... Oh, 2013 it was. Well, once in a decade. Yeah. And both of us said, well... If Port aren't focused and on and and the small ground and Norse knowledge of the ground, I, I, I couldn't believe uh, how easy they went to a match-winning lead at quarter time. No well, resistance. Well, said, had, yeah. yeah. This, the, the biggest problem for me is, okay, seven losses in a row. Now, one of those losses to Sydney was pretty handy. And, in fact, they might have won that game. But the other six... I keep saying it, but the margins, 108 points, 68, 60, 50, 78, and now 69 points. I mean, they're not even competitive at the moment. No, they're not. They, um, I really like Zerhar's individual game. He basically took them on by himself. And Davis Uniac in the midfield, you know, he's had some injury history. But with Simpkin out, at least he got in there and was really competitive against a, a pretty strong midfield um, they only went inside 50, 43 times to Port 61. And if you you turned up to watch that game for the first time and you you asked the, you were asked the question, who's the home team? Mm. Uh, Port did it really well. I thought it was a pretty professional effort. And really, 70 points or 69 points, if you want to be pedantic, to me, with, with the greatest respect to North Melbourne, is pretty regulation. You've gone through, you know... The, You've gone through the figures. Um, I'm looking for where the good quarters were. I'm looking for where the, the green shoots are. But it's been consistent around that mark in um, six of those seven games, Ron. I'll tell you, the other thing of concern for them from a commercial point of view, I mean, we were saying until well into last year that, the, you know, they, had, they were pretty handy in Hobart and they were difficult to play against. Well, um, they've now won just once in their last seven games down at Hobart and, and had a draw as well. And, you know, gee, they're turning off their sort of second home. Um, let's talk about Port, though. I mentioned uh, I mentioned the forward setup, 
But we were talking earlier in the season when they were zero and five about their over-reliance midfield on two men, Ollie Wines and Travis Boke. Now, Wines was terrific, but what the other thing that's emerging with them in this um, remarkable turnaround of form is that the younger guys are coming to the party. And in this yeah. game, you had Connor Rosie, 27 disposals, seven clearances. Zach Butters had 25 disposals, seven clearances. Sam Pepper has really been, I think, a key player in turning their season around. He had 23, six clearances. So that supports coming on board. It's making, giving them a bit more zip, a bit more run. And yeah. those young forwards are capitalising on those greater opportunities. Uh, Carl Amon wasn't in his good books but uh, and was dropped um, a month ago, but got a reprieve because of a, a COVID-related um, omission from the side. And since then, he's been a, a different player. A wing, half-back, and also taking his turn as a run within the tag player. So a bit like Richmond, out of a bit of adversity and a bit of bad form and a few losses, clubs have been forced to... Give people a go. Put Rose, Rosie into the midfield. Um, take a chance with um, some you of keep, these. You keep, I love the pronunciation. Yeah, there's, some, oh. there's something very Freudian about that. Do you like yeah. it? You're a bit partial to your Rosie. No, I hate it. Who would drink, <laughs> who would drink raspberry cordial? Yeah, it's pretty like sweet. That. It's pretty um, sweet. Yeah, and, and we'll get on. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it's good coaching. And, and while, we're, we're, while, while we're not... Um, well, I suppose we are, Rowan. It's interesting that the likes of uh, Corwell and at the same time, the likes of Corwell and Hobbs and Perkins stand at Starvation Corner on a half-forward flank. Um, yeah, but we'll talk about that later. I was least, say, the, why are we talking about them? This is oh, we're Melbourne talking Ford. about them, Rowan, because coaches are brave out of adversity. Richmond yeah. put Short in, right? They yeah. gave Bolton more time. Rosie got more time. Butters gets more time. Yeah. So the, you can manufacture and create midfield depth. Yeah. Yeah. If and you're you, brave and if you have a go. And this is the that was Port's weakness and it was Richmond's weakness a month ago. They've turned it around. I know they've got Martin back and they got Wines back from the hard thing, but they've turned it around by giving people at maybe out of desperation a look in the midfield. Amar yeah. Amazing what a difference it makes. Anyway. Yeah. You know what else you can do? You can uh, recruit midfielders just to start with instead of flankers who you look at turning into midfielders. And uh, that's talking about another club you just alluded to before. No, sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah. Don't, don't. This isn't the weekend to set me off on this. Uh, no, well, don't. <laughs> is that the old saying? Um, he's a halfback flanker, but we we believe he'll go through the midfield. Oh, I think Essendon's specialised in those sorts of players, <laughs> haven't they, for about 20 years. Yeah. Uh, anyway, right. uh, good win to Port, and uh, they are now of almost even the ledger. They are back at 4-5 with those other teams we mentioned earlier and pressing hard for a spot back in the eight. But, uh, well, they're going to have to work pretty hard to get it because oh. next Saturday afternoon, they are up against Geelong at GMHBA Stadium, 1.45 p.m. And as to the hapless ruse, well, who do you reckon they play next week, Rob? Oh, it's got to be one of the top two sides. Is it Melbourne? Just go with the obvious. Yes, they are playing Melbourne. Melbourne coming back from, uh, from Perth. Perth. Uh, they might be, a bit, they might be a bit flat, the Demons. Uh, do you reckon? <laughs> I reckon they ran around <laughs> in second gear. 
in this round and uh, will be ready for the uh, challenge in inverted commas. They play North Melbourne at 4.35. Where at, uh, Ron, please? Sorry. Marvel Marvel Stadium. Marvel, right. Okay. Saturday afternoon. All right. Uh, That was the second game on Saturday. Speaking of Marvel Stadium, that's where the Twilight game was played. Well, this was a cracking game at twilight under the roof, Marvel Stadium. It was between St Kilda and Geelong and it saw a 10-point victory to the Saints who came back from a 22-point deficit 14 minutes into the third quarter, slamming on six goals in a row, including a burst of five in 10 minutes to take the advantage and then gamely hang on to beat the Cats, who they haven't had a lot of success against for a fair while. The final scores, St Kilda, 13-12-90, defeating Geelong, 11-14-80. The goals, three to Paddy Ryder. He was terrific in the ruck. Two to King, two to Membry, singles the rest. For the Cats, four to Big Tom Hawkins, two to Zach Tui, singles the rest. Well, uh, they forged their way to, I think it was a 16-point lead, three-quarter time to the Saints. The Cats came hard. A couple of big goals to Tomahawk at the start of the last quarter. Got them within three points. But that man, Paddy Ryder, really steady the Saints with two goals of his own. A goal to Jeremy Cameron, left St Kilda with a nine-point lead to protect. With still about seven and a bit minutes left on the clock. They did that very well, though. Hung on well in the finish. There is a significant downside out of this, though. That is the AC joint mm-hmm. injury to skipper Jack Steele. He will be having surgery and uh, probably looking at a minimum eight weeks on the sidelines, you'd think. So have to withstand that. But uh, really inspiring win for the Saints, this one, uh, Robin. They, they yep. looked dodgy for a couple of weeks there, but really found something in this game, and maybe it can be a springboard for them. Well, I think it can be. That was one of their best wins because, uh, you know, as you said, the Cats 21 points up. Uh, they, they were classier earlier. They looked uh, uh, the far better side, obviously, with the scoreboard. Um, but that that five-minute burst was mesmerising by the Saints and um, that's what they can do. A couple of important things that um, we spoke about, ruck dominance, but rucks going forward. It was really interesting because Ryder kicked his three goals and at some stage, he was, you know, he's too tall for Collardashny. I thought De Conning versus King was a big, uh, a, a big um, contest. That was really enjoyable to watch the two young blokes go at it. But watching on the TV, it was quite bizarre because last week Blixarves, and and we talk about blokes coming into the side and how you can sometimes upset the balance. Blixarves was very good last week. Now. I don't know whether he could have gone against Ryder head-to-head. Obviously, um, Geelong thought he couldn't, so they put him on the wing. Ryder dominated the ruck. He's kicked three goals. Um, Saints had a good day in the clearances, and Blixarves was on the wing while Colin Dashney's being out-muscled by Big Ryder. Um, and this is on top of the fact that Higgins was off the ground, Steele was injured, and the Saints had a real flat patch where they... They took time to adjust. I, I think uh, Geelong were very, very... Look, five in ten minutes is quick, Rowan. It's pretty hard to adjust in such a short time. But you see it happening, and I'm not sure whether they could have used Blixarves a bit more in the ruck and particularly down back. 
Well, I, th- I think we saw in this game, it was interesting. I thought Geelong early on were really, you know, they, they clearly moved back into that faster brand and a, mm-hmm. a bit more corridor-centric. And I thought they looked pretty good for it. And, and um, it, it really was pivotal in them establishing that lead. But then the Saints beat them at that game, didn't they, in the yep. third quarter? So yeah. um, you can sort of understand why the Cats, uh, on occasion, as they did last week, will revert to that sort of slower possession-based brand because they are vulnerable, I think, to sides that can move the ball at speed. Like Brad Crouch is not quick, Mm. but you're right. Um, Gresham and Brad Crouch, they had 50 possessions between them and 16 clearances. Yeah. That's an absolute midfield domination. Also, well, talking about that run too, and, and this guy has been important for them, Sinclair. Uh, what a ne- good player. Nearly 600 metres gained uh, in that game off half-back, and that, that rebound has been particularly important for them. I'd like to think he'd get the uh, the 40 All-Australian nomination. I think he's been one of the success stories at half-back this year. Uh, not a household name, and that will go against him. I'm not sure if he came through the pathway, so um, that might go against him too. But on form... He's in. Uh, he's uh, cherry ripe for an early nomination All Australian. He's been outstanding. He's certainly in the All Australian mullet team at the moment, and uh, that is a considerably large squad Group. as well. How many pod guys getting around with mullets at the moment? Seriously, uh, Geelong. Well, the old stages really were good, weren't they? Hawkins for Tom Stewart. What? A, he's a great player, Tom Stewart. Twenty-seven disposals. Zach Tui, twenty-six. But it's a bit more of the same for the cats, isn't it? I just uh... a bit more of age. Age just creeps up on them, doesn't it? Yeah, it when does. they get when they get done like this, um, you know, just a few. Um, you just look a little bit older. You well, know, and, yeah, and when yeah. You, when they get beaten by this, I think it's telling to look at the best players for them in this game, and it's officially listed as well. When I say officially, the AFL website. Went with Tui, Stewart, Selwood, Cam Guthrie, Hawkins. Now, mm. you could you could have had those five same names in the best six, seven years ago. Um, you know, Geelong, Geelong to go a little bit further, I think, you know, they need among those best players to be the likes of, you know, Myers. Um, you know, Stengel's been a reasonable pickup. I know he's not a kid. Uh, Brad Close, you know, he, he's been all right for him. Maxie Holmes was doing well till he got injured. They desperately need those guys to sort of be working their way into the best players each week. And I think unless that happens, they're destined to be in this zone again where they're good enough to make finals and good enough to, you know, perhaps win one or two. But you just feel like they're not good enough to go all the way. And I'm, I'm prepared to say that even at this stage of the season. Yeah. I can't see Geelong winning a flag, can you? No, no, I can't. No, competitive, get through the first final. And um, I'd say that right now, we're 15 weeks away, Rowan, so it's mm. a big – I'm like you. I, I um, Depends on who they get first, where they finish, and probably out in the second week of the finals against a, a, a Richmond or a Fremantle or someone, Carlton, that can really motor. Yeah. I guess uh, some satisfaction for St Kilda people too in beating the Cats because, uh, well, if you uh, – the Geelong opposition uh, elicits a few nightmarish memories, doesn't it? The 2009 grand final, obviously. Mm. They've been dominant against St Kilda. In fact, since St Kilda 
won the 2010 qualifying final. Uh, Geelong has won 11 of the following 13 meetings and another one in a draw. So perhaps they've uh, finally cast aside the psychological shackles imposed on them by Geelong and are ready to turn this win into something a bit larger. An important win takes them up to sixth spot on the ladder of the Saints at six and three and uh, level on points with the Sydney Swans and a game outside the top four. And the Cats, well, they're looking precariously in the Mm. eight. They are five and four and in seventh spot. So uh, important games for both next week. Who have they got? Well, the Cats, Saturday afternoon, big one down at the Cattery against Port Adelaide. And St Kilda, they travel over to Adelaide to take on the Crows. And that one is a Saturday night game. Uh, uh, we might have jumped the gun and gave them two finals. They they don't want to get beaten by Port Adelaide at home. Um, they're in danger. I'm not going to ask you their month ahead. That's un- I don't want to do that. But I'm just saying um, they could fall out of the eight very, very easily. Oh, You've got Port ca- coming up behind them. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, no, no, they could. Anyway. Certainly a danger game for them. Uh, Wait and see on that one. Speaking of Saturday night games, let's talk about the two played in round nine. Well, Sydney and Essendon, uh, a storied rivalry, this one. They've had some dramatic finishes and some incredibly close tussles. And it was an important occasion for the Bombers with skipper Dyson Heppel playing his 200th game. Would that produce an inspired Essendon performance, and another classic. Well, no and no, because Essendon stunk. Um, We're not going to turn this into the Essendon show, Rob, because Sydney were very good at the same time. Needed a win after two losses in a row on their home deck and uh, certainly produced that. It was an emphatic 58-point win to the Swans, and but for inaccuracy, could have been a lot, lot more. The final score, Sydney 14-21, 105 defeating a, I'll say it, pathetic Essendon. Six goals, 11-47. The goal kickers to the Swans, two to Wicks, two to Franklin, two to Haywood, two to Papley, singles the rest. Uh, Good spread of goal kickers there, 10 individually for Essendon. Peter Wright with two, the only multiple goal kicker. Well, riding on the wall very early in this game, it was only five goals to two at quarter time, but Telltale signs. Sydney, nine marks inside 50 in the first quarter alone. Uh, Dominant midfield. Callum Mills, fantastic. 29 disposals handed up with Chad Warner. He's in a a rich vein of form at the moment. He had 32 touches, 11 score involvements. Tom Papley, his best game since returning from injury. He had 21 disposals and two goals. Essendon, well... They had nothing. They had no fight. They weren't up for the battle. And, Rob, I know you want to talk about this one because it is a significant stat. 30 tackles laid by Essendon in a game where they were chasing butt for most of the night. It is the fewest by a side in any AFL match played at the SCG since 2003. Uh, Essendon were terrible. It was a big week for Essendon. It was uh, coming off a win that uh, they celebrated like a grand final and showed us exactly uh, why they're regarded as a, a very immature 
Football Club. Um, Hawthorne of uh, not exactly going well, but the amount of cheerleaders in the race uh, celebrating a very good last quarter and getting them back to the winning list was quite extraordinary. Now, Howard, full... just, I'm going to chip in there. I know you don't want to name them. I'll name them. The chairman, Paul Brasher, and the CEO, Xavier Campbell, are the cheerleaders to whom yeah. my co-host is referring. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't see Brian Cook and these blokes sort of uh, delving into that area. It's down the race. Get ready for next week. Well done. Have a shower. And don't forget, we've got Sydney next week at the Sydney Cricket Ground coming off two losses at home and boys you know what's coming so prepare yourself it was just a it was a week of celebrations good luck to the kid the captain 200 games rightfully celebrated but it's quite extraordinary the amount of times where there's milestones or celebrations um that don't that that don't go to plan um they didn't come to play they weren't prepared well they didn't pick a good side and when I say that, oh, yeah, bring back Ridley, bring back uh, Kelly. Last week, they had a beautifully balanced back line. McGraw was one of the best on the ground. Redmond was fantastic. Laverde played his best game for the year. Hind got back into form. So let's bring these blokes back. Let's move McGraw into the midfield. Let's put Heppel, you know, and all because of one bloke. And I'm not potting him individually. Kelly has brought an imbalance to that back line. He's basically taken Ridley's third man up and you know he's a best and fairest winner. I'm not even he might have even been all Australian. He was certainly in the all Australian squad. Um and they just can't get their back line right. Um, well, hang, hang on. Laverde had to go. Why, why wasn't Ridley on Franklin? Laverde had to go to him. Lance Franklin was the best player on the ground at quarter time. Let me chip in there. This is totally in keeping. We're doing it. This is totally in keeping with Essendon's recent uh, habit of recruiting a name without necessarily looking at how that name fits into the list of existing players. They've done it with midfielders. They've done it with, uh, you know, well, Jake Stringer's been valued, but they did it with Shield. They've done it with Smith. Um, you know, was Kelly what they needed? I'd suggest there are other things they needed more. Well, the uh, recruiting they- manager said uh, he, was, he was a target for us. There's a quote in the paper, in an area that we're weak, that we want him to play on the small forwards. Yeah, we well, you know he, what? He's yeah. never gone to one. He went to Charlie Cameron against yeah. Brisbane. He's, yeah, keep and going. That, and it was crap because Adrian Dodoro is talking crap there. He's, he's, a, he's a targeted player because Adrian is worried about protecting Adrian's reputation. That's what that's about. And that's well, what most of these recruitments about. Dylan Shield, not so much. That was about protecting the CEO's reputation. So much of what this club does is about protecting people's asses. I'm over it. This yep. isn't the place to be talking about. Just one more. Right, tec- sorry. One more technically on yes. Essendon's lack of grit and defence. The consistent failure week after week to be able to defend the turnover and to mm. be able to, uh, to to seemingly be unable to prevent the opposition going coast to coast. I mean, Sydney had 21 scores from 33 inside 50s in the first half. That is a ridiculous rate. I mean, what, what, it is not that hard technically just to stop a side getting the ball coast to coast. Essendon no, you, look, every you're week. Last week, Gold Coast controlled the centre square and the centre corridor. Not the centre square in ball-ups, but the ball movement. Sydney turned over the ball 
an extraordinary amount of times at the SCG against Gold Coast and was the reason they won. You're allowed to mirror what is a perceived weakness of the other side. They didn't do their homework. They didn't go to work on what Gold Coast did. They gave them the centre corridor. The amount of times that Sydney were able to find a short 25-metre kick, feed off a handball going through the centre square was an extraordinary. That's, you know, it just frustrates me that you've got to do your homework. You've got to look at what, and you know, and Brisbane the week before beat them. Surely there's got to be a pattern there, Rowan, if Sydney have lost twice at home. Uh, but no, uh, you know, anyway. Well, let's, let's finish Mills, talk- Warner, terrific. Yeah, yeah let's talk about They the got songs. their contested ball back. They're back up and their hands in close. It was a Sydney performance, mm. and that's why we're frustrated because you knew it was coming. You knew it had to come. I think, you know, I, I think what they turned around in this game and what augurs well for the immediate future for them is um, they had the experienced guys playing well and they had their young guys playing well. Again, that's reflected in the best. You know, Warner's in the best. Errol Goulden, I thought, a really good game from him, but also in the best you've got. Uh, Luke Parker, you've got uh, Papley, you've got Franklin, um, who kicked two, but two, four, you know. I mean, 14-21, oh, wow. this was a 58-point margin that, that real in reality was as close to a 100-point margin as you'd see without looking at the scoreboard. They absolutely flogged Essendon. And, um, yeah, they were a- so good. Always two on one versus right. Right didn't lead enough. Hmm. He didn't lead up the ground enough and hard enough. But every time he, they kicked to him to the top of the goal square, Sydney had that beautiful third man up. And that's the case we're sort of saying with Ridley. That was his strength, floating across the back, spoiling marking. Kelly doesn't do it. Get Ridley back to his right spot. Look at the way the McCartans are operating. Anyway, over, right. and, out, over and out from us. What's well, next week? Okay, well, the Swans, uh, really good test for them. Uh, big Friday night game against the Blues at Marvel oh, wow. Stadium. What a, what a game. And uh, it's a venue where the Swans have got a pretty decent track record, but the Blues are playing pretty decent footy there as well. So that should be a ripper. Essendon, as we said earlier, they've got the annual Dreamtime game. Uh, they are the away side this time. That is against Richmond, 7.30 Saturday night. Always a great occasion. Yeah. Uh, just not sure how competitive a game and is. And on, on a serious note, are we looking – uh, yeah, I'll say we – yeah. Um, are Essendon looking at going into this game? Obviously, Anthony McDonald Tippen Woody has been a flag bearer of this game and, and he's uh, usually the captain. They, he, they're, they're, is this the first time you can remember? Look, I don't know. How many dream times have there been, Rowan? And have we always had uh, a, an original Australian playing in that in those games? Uh, as, as far as I know. I mean, I, yeah, you know, I look, can't. I... I uh, right off the top of my head, I would have thought pretty much every game. So um, yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a great look, is it? No. Anyway, all right, all right let's move on. Uh, the other Saturday night game was at Adelaide Oval. Saturday night, Adelaide Oval saw the Crows taking on Brisbane. A pretty lopsided contest on the looks of it, but it's certainly not how it started, because the Crows were great in the first half. In fact, they went to halftime with a three-point lead, and indeed that lead was as high as 15 points late in the second quarter. But after that, pretty much one-way traffic, nine goals to two in the second half as the Lions really got on top midfield. 
And as usual, that bevy of uh, goal kickers, both small and tall, uh, did their damage. The final scores, uh, Brisbane, in the end, victors by 36 points, 16 goals, 6-102, defeating Adelaide, 9-12-66. The goal kickers, four to Charlie Cameron against his old club, three to Bailey, two to Zorko, singles the rest. But again, good spread, 10 individual goal kickers. For the Crows, three to McAdam, two to McHenry, and singles the rest. Well, midfield, Lockie Neal, 35 disposals, one goal, seven clearances. Zach Bailey, three goals and 19. Uh, geez, a talented player. Dane mm. Zorko, just quietly putting together a really good season in his new role, 26 disposals. Uh, the usual suspects, all pretty solid. McLuggage. Jared Lyons, 24 touches, eight clearances. Daniel Rich, 26, off halfback, et cetera, et cetera. Getting it done pretty well, Brisbane, after some uh, early worries. As to the Crows, well, I guess Matthew Nix, um, fair enough to a degree to concentrate on that first half because they were impressive. Uh, McAdam up forward, lively. Ben Keyes, gee, he's been a great acquisition for the Crows. He was good with 27 disposals and... 10 clearances. Jordan Dawson, uh, you can see why they wanted to pick him up. Rory Laird, the possession machine. Uh, All battle gamely for the Crows. But uh, bottom line, they've lost comfortably and they remain in 14th spot with just three wins. And Brisbane, well, just go from strength to strength, Rob. I thought it was a very professional win and a tick to Adelaide too. Look, the Crows um, matched them for inside 50s, 53-57. They laid 73 tackles, so they, they came to compete. They had good service from Keys, uh, Aled, uh, Dawson, as you mentioned, going through there. They got outclassed because Zorko, McCluggage, Lyon, Rich all had big games. The Charlie Cameron factor of four goals. And the great thing that they would be delighted uh, no, not as much as the four points. Uh, these stats aren't well-beating stats. Six kicks, five handballs, four marks. Until you made Eric Kipwood? My word, I am. That's no. one of the great comeback games of all time. And I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek because it's actually not. But for the fact to get on a plane, play, get on the plane and get home and recover and get a game under your belt where your team has won by 36 points, consolidated their spot on the ladder and without Daniel Her and McStay for four to six or roundabout, this bloke's back in and he's had a bit of a kick around. And that's no disrespect to Adelaide, Ron. It was a, you know, we talked about would he be rushed back in? Um, it's turned out to be a genius of a decision and he didn't even kick one goal. Yeah, look, the timing is perfect, isn't it, really? Um, Who they got next week, Ron? They must go home and... Well, I was going to get to that, but they yeah, have sorry. got uh, Hawthorne down in Launceston. Oh, they're travelling again. Oh, yep. that's interesting. Righto. Yep. Okay. Uh, looking pretty handy, though, the Lions. They are in uh, second spot on the ladder. Game clear a third now with eight wins and one loss. Uh, and they have been very steady. We saw them last year have a pretty ordinary start to the season. Um, just the one loss this year, that was to Geelong at Geelong, no disgrace in that. Um, they are looking, uh, there's something just a bit more organised and a bit more resilient and a bit more yeah. 
a bit more, I don't know, just cool-headed about them, I think, which they probably need given their finals performance over the last three campaigns. But at this stage, and it's one of those difficult things for them, isn't it, where they really won't be judged uh, until you see how they go in finals because that's what found them out over the last three campaigns. But in terms of preparation for those finals, they couldn't be doing a lot more than they're doing. Yeah, no, look, yeah, look, um, and, and the timing should be right with injury, a bit of luck with injury. They'll get Danaher and McStay back for, oh, what? Where are we up to, Rowan? Round nine? So nine from they'll get them back from, say, round 15 to round 23, which is a gate leading to a final series. So touch wood, they have a bit of luck. Hipwood finds a little bit of form. They're well off in the ruck. Their back line's terrific. And this multi-dimensional half-forward midfield is really gelling well. So, uh, but you've nailed it on the head. You 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 didn't have them. Um, I had them. What playing off in the grand final? You, you weren't quite sure. No, I was. No. I wasn't emphatic about it. But yeah. I thought if they improve, and you said the word resilient toughness, then they're a chance. Yeah, uh, for me, they are clearly the second best team in it. I know, okay. you know, we've talked about Fremantle a lot, but right at the moment, uh, they are clearly. Just a quick word on Adelaide. So they are 3-6 in 14th yeah. spot on the ladder. Now, they went from three wins to seven wins last year, three at the moment. Are they on track with where they should be, do you think? Or Yeah, bit- well, they're just towing the line. We were very confident a couple of weeks ago when they had a cup uh, a win that um, they would well, they would tick that seven week uh, pass score or their budget score. Mm. I still think it is their budget. They're three. Well, they got uh, fifteen or so to go to find four wins. I think that's very achievable. I still think they're going to be seven to eight wins, Rowan. So um, they they were okay. They were okay. They're on yeah. the home ground. Travelling side, um, a very good and competitive first half, blown out of the water in the third quarter by yeah, a class outfit. Better better in this one than they had been the previous yeah. fortnight. Uh, very disappointing against GWS. Oh, and, yeah, that's uh, a bad one now. Handled yeah. comfortably by Carlton last week. So found a little bit again, and maybe the next win isn't that far away. Who have they got? Well, we talked about this earlier. They have got St Kilda. Mm. at Adelaide Oval uh, Saturday evening. Won't start that game favourite, but you certainly wouldn't dismiss their chances altogether on the form they showed in this game. All right, that is Saturday dealt with. uh, Three games on the Sunday, and the first of them was up on the Gold Coast. Well, credit where it's due. Uh, I don't know if you heard our preview podcast, but uh, when it came to this game, Gold Coast taking on Fremantle, uh, my co-host here went out on a limb. He tipped Gold Coast to win. A limb. A limb. All right. We never heard that expression, going out on a limb. I have. (laughs) So what are you saying? It wasn't out. It was an emphatic statement, Rowan. No, but that going yeah, out shall. on a limb doesn't mean you didn't say it emphatically. Going oh, out on right a limb up. means, you know. You... Said, my key word was load up. Yeah, no, you did. You did. I'm not saying, <laughs> yeah, let's just, uh, just see we're having an English lesson here. Going out on a limb means uh, you're going against the tide of popular opinion. Well, very well done. 
Mr. Journalist. I like that. Thank you. Anyway. That's why why I asked you to pronounce the big words. (laughs) The bottom line here is that you tip Gold Coast and credit to you. And a great win. More credit to the Suns, however. A terrific win by them. Um, I I would like to say it is a really, really hard place to play at Metricon Stadium. And it's not just because of the opposition. The conditions. And today was a classic. It was drizzly, wet, humidity. Uh, ball was like the proverbial cake of soap, as Peter Landy used to say. But Gold Coast handled it really well and inflicted upon the Dockers a rare defeat and a pretty comfortable defeat too. 36 points the margin in the end. Gold Coast 10-9-69, defeating Fremantle 4-9-33. The goal kickers, four to Mabby or Chow. Great pickup for them. Wow, yeah. Who... To Levi Casbolt, he's been a good pickup. Singles the rest, and uh, just four individual goal kickers for the Dockers. Now, I'm going to let you have a crack at this one. Just two key stats here for mine, or a couple of key stats. The inside. Leave, leave me one. I'll oh, leave me one, will you? Well, okay. Which one do you want me to leave you? The one you're just about to say. The inside 50s? Oh, I've never seen anything like this. Go for it, Rowan. All right. Well, just here's, a, here's a stat. So Here's the one. inside 50s, 36 to Gold Coast, 64 to Fremantle. <laughs> now, here's how our form was turned on its head, right? So Fremantle has been the number one team at the comp- in the competition at defending opposition inside 50s. Gold Coast scores per inside 50 in this game were at 52%. Frio's number one ranking. Uh, they concede scores to opposition inside 50s generally 36% of the time. So Gold Coast, super, super efficient. But also, down the other end, fantastic defence from the Suns. Now, Frio has been scoring... uh, Sorry, Gold Coast has been conceding scores to opposition inside 50s nearly 47% of the time. They are ranked only 16th in that stat. Well, today, 20% of Frio's inside 50s ended in a score. So they defended brilliantly the Gold Coast and they attacked very efficiently. And an efficient isn't a word you've often associated with the Suns, is it? No, and that's a great point. That it's, we've, we've, I've been not bullish about them, but I've been pretty, uh, you know, I'm on their wagon a little bit because it's been building. And, and this goes right against the grain. They've been building on numbers, Rowan, inside 50s, effort, clearances, um, possession-wise. They've been building for a number of weeks, but haven't had, despite Chole and Casbolt being more than useful, they haven't had the sophistication or the precision or the execution to maximise those stats. Now they turn the stats on their head and only go inside 36 times basically doubled by their opposition and, and, and hold Fremantle to four goals nine. It, it's an extraordinary effort. It's it, it's a staggering stat. Uh, they won the clearances 46 to 30, mm. and that was where they gave themselves the opportunity to go forward. Um, it's a very, very good win. I The reason I picked them was just a gut feel about travel, Fremantle being up, been talked about, been pumped up, been in really good form, and I was just guessing, and I'll be honest, I was guessing there'd be a flat spot, and if Gold Coast could maintain the range and the possession and the inside 50s, 
they could have pinched a win, and I was lucky. Well, I, th- I think the really encouraging thing for the Suns here is their effort this season has, with the exception of one or two games, been consistently good. It's just converting that effort mm. into something more, uh, what's the word, you know, fruitful, particularly on the scoreboard, and they did that today. Um, and this is why Charles and Casbold have been such great pickups for them. Credit to to Sam Collins down the other end. Oh, he's, yeah. he's been a really good player for them. And midfield, co-captains Jared Witts and Took Miller. Witts is so important for them as a leadership presence, not only in it's the It was a run. great battle, wasn't it? Darcy Witts. It was. You know? And Miller, uh, 34 disposals. Just fantastic oh. around the ground. They sort of beat the Dockers at their own game today, didn't they? Well, yeah. They, they def- yeah, exactly. Uh, fantastic at stoppages. Miller and Rao had 19 clearances between them. So they really took it up to the likes of uh, uh, Brody, their former player, also Sarong and Brayshaw. Um, they- you know, the, the other guy we should mention too, Yeah, well, it wasn't necessarily a stats-heavy game, but Isaac Rankin, um, you know, he really, his tackling and his pressure on, on the Dockers was really important. He only had 18 disposals. 14 of them were contested. The biggest comment on his influence in this game, 11 score involvement. So yeah. he was huge. And look how many different Gold Coast players we've named in the last few minutes. That's something you don't often usually do as well. So it's starting to come together for the Suns. The trick will be to keep it up for a string of, you know, four or five weeks, not have that seemingly obligatory shocker in the middle of it all. What about the Dockers? Is it just a blip for them? Do you yeah, think? look, probably they... You know, they'll get back home and uh, sort it out. Freo, a lot more disposal, but their kick-to-handball ratio was deplorable in the conditions. You, you're quite right, mate. If if you get dew and rain and a bit of whatever they get there, fog, probably the hardest ground to play on. It is. It's the hardest ground to play on God, at I night. I don't, reckon the, they the get much, I don't reckon they get much fog, do they, in the tropics? Uh, oh, you know. Or whatever it is, whatever it is that seeps down that makes that that makes that ground. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just sort of thinking about to one of those Mate, World War II movies in yeah, Singapore, and someone's worried about the fog. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't happen. Oh, oh, that movie, The Longest Day, <laughs> when the German looking out of the bunker, and and the fog, the fog, the fog dissipates, and there's the. There's the Amada. <laughs> yeah, so they don't reckon it was on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, you right. know what I mean. I, don't, I know exactly what you mean. It was a mist, a mist. And they had 165 handballs, a lot of overuse, a lot of pressure, and a terrific organisation of the, the Gold Coast backline. Unsung hero, uh, young Collins. Oh, As, really good player for them. Yeah, really Very good, good player for them. Uh, so another good performance from the Suns and a great test for them next week. Uh, they have got the Western Bulldogs at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. Now, you probably, the cliche is you probably couldn't think of a worse venue for the Suns to play at. However, this was the scene of one of their great wins. They managed to upset GWS at this uh, at Mars Stadium last season. So they'll be returning to the scene of a favourite memory. Great test for them against the Western Bulldogs and the Dockers. Uh, they have got Collingwood at home, 5.20pm Eastern time next Sunday afternoon. So 
an upset. Good win for the Suns. Good tip by Robert Shaw. And yeah. uh, following that up was uh, Leon Cameron's farewell game as GWS coach. Let's have a chat about that one. Well, big news during the week. Leon Cameron uh, resigning as GWS coach, effective immediately. And his farewell game was on the Sunday at home, Giant Stadium, with GWS taking on Carlton. And a pretty entertaining game. And the Giants, for most of it, some sort of winning chance before the Blues pulled away late with a five-goal last quarter. Uh, The final scores, in the end, the Blues, 15-15, 105-30-point winners over the Giants, 11-9-75. The goal kickers for the victors, two to Charlie Curnow, two to Durden, two to Fisher, two to Silvani, two to Walsh, singles, the rest, uh, 10 individual goal kickers for the Blues. For GWS, two to Green, two to Himmelberg, to to Riccardi. Well, uh, the Blues so, certainly had the better start in this game. I think it was uh, four goals to nothing um, early on. The inside 50 count was outrageous. I think uh, GWS didn't have a single inside 50 until about midway through the quarter. It was something like 15 Carlton, zero uh, the Blues. But then GWS got on their bikes and kicked seven of the next 10 goals in this game uh, to the extent they were just a goal down at three-quarter time and very much a chance. Carlton, though, did look the more dangerous side for most of this game, Rob. And in the end, um, considering all the factors at play here, no Harry Mackay playing at a (coughs) venue they hadn't won at previously, Gusentop, and Mm. uh, the opposition coach, having his farewell game, I thought it was a pretty solid win by the Blues in the end. Oh, How do you say it? Ult- ultimate professionalism. Haven't said that about Carlton for a long time. Uh, started well, superior ball movement, 27 points up, and then had to withstand a Braden Pruce, josh Kelly-led revival. I thought Pruce's ruck work in, that, in the comeback, centre square tap work, was, uh, and actually said it on the TV, very rider-like. He was a significant influence. Um, I don't think he does much around the ground, but he's a very competent ruckman. And Josh Kelly, you know, came into the game at one stage. He had 19 possessions, seven tackles and six clearance. And they actually got back to level at, at um, and really put it down. Then the third quarter run was interesting because Carlton came out and played very well, but it was 3-7 to 3-1. Mm. Um, so inaccurate kicking, a bit like uh, Sydney with Essendon, they they sort of half kicked themselves out of it, and we thought, well, you know, a last roll of the dice, Sydney, um, and bang, bang, Charlie Curnow, two goals, settled it all down, uh, and player to watch, um, Young Durden, lot to like about him, and um, he was very very impressive as a high half forward. Well, I reckon uh, we were saying this earlier in the season and not so much in, in recent weeks, but um, I think Carlton's small forwards, Durden one and Owies another one. And Owies missed a couple of shots. He could have ended up... Martin with a, didn't play. Martin a few not goals. There. I mean, they've been important. We've talked a lot about Mackay yeah. and Kerno 
But those um, smaller players at their feet, I think, have been pretty important, haven't they? Absolutely. And we, we forgot uh, a major factor in this game was the uh, the non-appearance of uh, Harry Mackay, obviously, with a, the old torn cartilage that will keep him out for a month. So um, a, another tick to Carlton. Uh, always looked the better side, I thought. Um, there wasn't a lot of risk-taking from GWS. They, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm pinching this off the telly. It was so obvious, and even the commentators uh, were speaking about, they kept going down the line. Now, Carlton defended the switcher play very well. So it's a two, uh, you know, two-sided coin. GWS weren't prepared to risk the fat side of the ground, switch and run. They're not a switch and run side. They well, they're not. They're, they're not a risk-taking side. No. no, and and um, maybe this is um, uh, not an indicator of why Leon left, but it does open the door for some maybe more creativity and the next coaching. They don't. They went down the line, down the line, down the line, and uh, they didn't give it themselves. Carlton were cool. They stuck to it. They had a very even distribution. Um, and, and and their ball movement was at a far greater level, as we've discussed. It's an interesting point about the Giants because I, I wrote a piece about Cameron during the week and there was always talk about him, you know, driving a Ferrari. Well, that was a case about six years ago, but uh, this is a Commodore. You know, this is, they, they, they are, you know, they've got some individual gifted yeah. players, but uh, as a 22, I think they're a workmanlike side. And I think the brand of footy they play reflects that. I don't know if they necessarily have the sort of players capable of playing a daring, dashing brand of footy. Yeah, well, Carlton, Carlton, go and get Sarden Williams. Yeah, this is a Commodore. Well, look, they've got very good service records. You know, they've kept all their service records in the glove box, but yeah. it is just a straight down the line. Keep the um, car analogy going. Can, I, I, can, I, can whoever the new coach is put some fats on it and I'm not very calm on oh, it, but some Jesus. fats and some fluffy dice on the rear view mirror and get it doing donuts in the car park. In, at, in, uh, in, in front of a police car. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a risk taker. We saw a risk taker on the new. He was an idiot, but he was a risk taker. Oh, I want well. whoever the new coach is to have a, uh, a dog on the, uh, on the <laughs> dashboard there with the noddy head going up and down and the fluffy dice. Hanging off the mirror must happen. Uh, seriously, they disappointing were, for Leon, but they were outplayed. Uh, last one on Carlton: the significance of the loss of Zach Williams, who looks like he's done an Achilles. Well, well, they're pretty hopeful, but with pre-scans, they they think the Achilles is in spot, so it could be like the next muscle up, the calf muscle or the soleus muscle, which is a nasty one. But if he's escaped a snapped Achilles. He's a very lucky man, but the way he went down, it definitely looked like one. Yeah, right. Because uh, I've done one. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, there is. You can always here. double check injuries with me, Ron. Yeah, I know. Because oh, I'm, very, I'm, I'm very impressed that you rattled off soleus. What's that? Uh, that's the muscle that you rip off the top of your Achilles when it detaches. Yeah. So when I did mine, I not only ripped that off the attachment, I also snapped the Achilles in half. So Good. when he went down like that. I, I I said Achilles because you got to go to ground straight away. It's not like a knee. Uh, it's not like a hammy. It's it's a the most debilitating injury. So good luck to him. 
you know, they went and got Williams, they went and got Saad, and we talk about creativity and risk-taking. Uh, the two sides of chalk and cheese. Well, uh, what have these sides got next week? The Blues, big Friday night game. Should be a ripper against Sydney at Marvel Stadium. And the Giants, uh, they have got a game. Well, it's a good introduction to coaching for Mark McVeigh, um, filling coach. Who knows? Maybe permanent coach. They have got West Coast on Sunday afternoon to 10 p.m. But another former Essendon boy uh, turning his hand to coaching Rob and uh, maybe yeah, he'll be well. like maybe will be like Damien Hardwick. End up with uh, three flags at another club. Is that um, at home, Rowan? But is not coaching. Home? Hang on, let me get the punchline no, out. But not you, getting oh, to coach right. his own club because he's on a borrowed laptop and the CEO <laughs> of the day gets sucked in by another candidate's more favourable <laughs> presentation of the list. <laughs> that did. Oh dear. <laughs> Where's GWS playing? They are playing at Giant Stadium, Rob. So McVeigh's going to get a win in his first game. Uh, well, you'd think so. <laughs> Pretty much odds on, given the opposition and the state they're in at the moment. Uh, all right. So yeah. that was the eighth of the nine games. And uh, speaking about the state of that opposition, well, they were involved in the last game of the round. Well, the final game of round nine was uh, expected to be uh, pretty ugly, uh, the final result, and that's pretty much how it panned out. It was Melbourne going over to Perth and making short work of West Coast, who really are having the season from hell, injuries, illness, uh, all sorts of interruptions to routine and they are getting smashed week after week. And they got smashed in this one as well. The final margin, a whopping 74 points as Melbourne clocked up its 16th win in a row. That, of course, taking in uh, last couple of months of last year as well. What a run they are on. The final score, 16-16, 112 the Demons, defeating West Coast, 5-8, 38. The Eagles had kicked just one goal to halftime. It was 7-9 to 1-3 at halftime. But really, as a contest, the game pretty much done and dusted by quarter time when the scores read six goals, five Melbourne to one goal straight, the Eagles. The goal kickers for the Demons, four to Tom McDonald. He's uh, really having a decent run of form this year. Three to Bailey Fritch, three to Cozzy Pickett, Two to Ben Brown, two to Petrarca, singles the rest. And for the Eagles, all single goal kickers. Well, I've got to be honest, Rob, I don't know quite what to say about this because it was uh, predictable and uh, so predictable that, in fact, uh, pre-game Palmer bet were offering, I think, $14.40 on West Coast, winning at home. Head-to-head. Have they ever been a price like that before on their home patch? I'd suggest not. So we all knew it was going to be a belting, and it was a belting. Yeah, sadly predictable. I think we both went around the 75% mark. The inter- couple of interesting scenarios that presented to me looking at preparation for the year and managing players. Um, I, I, I found it very interesting. I'm not critical or positive about it. Very interesting that they went with their strongest side. They took their players and they played. Um, I, I thought with the travelling side, they may have taken the opportunity to manage some players and rest them. They've also got North Melbourne next week. 
So maybe they do it next week or do they just want to go hard, build percentage and really consolidate that top spot and put a gap between the competition that if they have a flat spot in the third quarter of the year, which can happen to sides that are rolling along nicely, uh, they've got a good buffer. Um, and the reason I say that, they did play in bursts, Rowan. Uh, I don't know what this means. You might be able to help me. But um, I don't even know whether it's relevant. They kicked 13-9 of their 16-16 in the first and last quarter. Mm. So they do enough to put them away early. They have a bit of a... I don't like being disrespectful to opposition, so I'm actually not happy with what I'm saying. Do they then put the foot on the brake and just glide through and manage their players? And then in the end, he wants them to push on, right, let's finish the game on. And they um, they they came home hard in the last quarter. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if it's that sort of uh, formalised, but I think that's what ends up happening. I, I'll tell you what that reminds me of. It reminds me a lot of Geelong in 2008. Now, that didn't end well. Um, yeah. But having said that didn't end well, we all know that had Geelong not uh, been able to hit, had they been able to hit the side of a barn that day, they probably would have won the flag that their season's form dictated they should. Look, it's a, I, I still take it as a positive. It means that a side that has rarely been at 100% all year is still undefeated at nine and zip. And... Just on that, when we say, yeah, they, okay, they play a little bit in bursts, but their best players are so consistent in terms of individual performance. Have a look at their best in this game. Petrarca, again, um, you know, uh, Oliver, again, uh, McDonald up forward, Viney always very steady. Uh, Luke Jackson's just such a good player for them. You know, just their, their best players do what they need to week after week. I guess the really good thing today, Cosie Pickett, three goals up forward. You know, Fritch Bob's up for three, not necessarily that conspicuous, but he still kicks three. They've got so many good players. I mean, what haven't we said about Melbourne? He, you know, here's another one. The, the bit players or the lesser lights in their team, their performance always gives them something. And I'm talking there about the likes of, you know, Spargo or, or Neil Bullen. These guys, you know, everyone does their part. And um, they, they they remind me a lot of Richmond. I said Geelong before. They remind me a lot of how Richmond have been playing over the last few years. But I think their skill level is, is greater than Richmond's. I think pound for pound, they've got better players across that 22 than even Richmond had. And that's no disrespect to Richmond. I just think that's how good this Melbourne side has become. And it's... It's like, you know, they've been around the mark. They got closer and then the pennies dropped for them last year. And it's like they're saying, we know we're good. We know this is our chance. We're not going to bugger it up. And, you know, again, we've said this a bit this year, haven't we, that it, it can all come apart with one bad quarter on at the wrong time of the year. But, boy, if, if, we, were, if we had a, an EPL system operating, I'd be giving them the cup already. Um, those best players, is that off the news, Rowan, or off the, or, or were they your personal best players, or, or were they listed in the match report that we've just watched? That's uh, part of the AFL uh, website mm. match report there. It's very interesting because I'll challenge that. Petrarca, Oliver, and Viney. Mm. Now, in these sort of games, they're 39 to 40 possessions. 
Yeah. They've had 28 and 28 and 27. That that gives me evidence that at stages, and I would love to see, you know what I'd love to see? Game what? time for players. Oh, yeah. I, yep. I reckon they have taken the foot off. And if their stats are an indication, even though they did give them their best players, they're 25% down to me on their normal output on the stat sheet, which we know isn't everything. So I'd love to know their game time and whether they were managed through the game. Don't worry about it now. We can do that uh, on Wednesday morning if you want to. They dominated 60 to 35 inside 50. The good thing about West Coast came with the plan. They had... Uh, they won the marks, believe it or not, 102 to 86. 98 of those were uncontested. That shows me they quite rightly didn't want to go end-to-end -end with Melbourne. They wanted to slow the game down, maintain possession, and try and play a game where the heat's off the ball and not just play into Melbourne's rebounding hands. Well, that's tended to be their modus operandi, even when they've yeah. been a good side, hasn't uh, it? No, actually, a good point. That's a fair point. I'm just noticing at least they came and they said, well, you've got to work a bit harder to get the ball off. We're not just going to rebound in, turn it over, and then you're going to decimate it on the way out. But it was to me, it was a, a regulation win. It looks to me, or it looked to me without figures that they played it smart. They've managed their team pretty well and they've had two brilliant quarters. Reminds me of a team that I was privileged to be involved with one so, uh, in another lifetime. Yes, uh, you know what well, seems like centuries ago, and uh, just about was centuries ago. Um, and just quickly, we, we did rattle off North Melbourne's losing margins before. So uh, the Eagles' recent losing margins for for its worth uh, last five games now: sixty three points, eighty four points, one hundred nine points, seventy five points. 74 points. That is ugly stuff indeed. Uh, what is on the agenda for them next week? They have got GWS at Giant Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And the Demons, uh, they have got North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. And uh, mm. wow, that could be another parental advisory applied uh, to that game. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is it for round nine. Uh, thanks again to our wonderful sponsors, Palmerbet. Um, wager with Palmerbet where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, you can support this podcast at the ACAST supporter platform uh, wherever you listen to us. And, uh, or better still, become a Footyology patron for $7 Australian per month, you get access to all the goodies on the Footyology website, including this podcast, uh, including some great writing, not just on football, not just on sport, but also politics. And music. And music. Plenty of good stuff there on music <laughs> by the likes of Francis Leach. Wow. Uh, myself, I haven't written for a while, but uh, we've got a few contributors on the music front maybe you can weigh in with something about the angels rob at uh, some stage i'd be <laughs> very keen to see that maybe an off-season assignment for you but some good stuff there so become a footyology patron and help our little operation keep ticking over thanks to your company everyone hope your team got a win and we'll be back with you on wednesday morning rob to uh, preview round 10 see you wednesday well done we'll see you then